Hello, welcome back, everyone. Another episode of Final Boy Status. My my name is Luke, Luke Howarder. Uh, boy, it has been a minute since I've hosted, and I'm feeling like I have forgotten completely how to even exist. No, I I start with crowd work, right? I, I'm pretty good at the crowd work. Uh, so I start with like a, hey, you know, I've been doing like a lot of uh, traveling lately. And then yeah. you guys, okay. And then it's not your fault, but you're being kind of a bad crowd. As uh, I'd be like, hey, I've been doing a lot of traveling lately. And you guys go like, oh, where yes. have you been traveling to? This oh, is my girl. Been... <laughs> In case you were asking. What? Her name <laughs> is Lanson. <laughs> yes. I'm very... Okay. Where have you Hold been traveling? On. I'm his girl, by the way. <laughs> Just wanted to establish that, but also his girl Friday. Part. Okay, well now I feel like the audience is really into this. <clears throat> yeah, uh, the audience that's here with me. Uh, so I sh I should invite them in. In the audience today are my good friends uh, Adam Michael Bone and Lanson Lappin, L. My Charles girl. Lappin to be precise. Yes, <laughs> that's Adam's me. girl. Adam's girl. <laughs> We're gonna find a man like that. This would be a class, and then, <clears throat> and then I go back to my crowd work, right? Because that's what I'm good at. <laughs> so, right. Continue. So, hey, I've been like traveling a lot lately. You do like it? Hey, where you been traveling lately, too? Oh, it doesn't matter. But uh, while I've been traveling, right, uh, I've been watching a lot of the TV show Psych. Um, nice, because like it's on Amazon Prime. That's a shout out for them. And you can download episodes and not need Wi-Fi to watch. So it's a great like traveling companion. That's uh, cool. Been watching a lot of a lot of the TV show Psych, and uh, there was something that I thought was very relevant to this podcast. In that uh, there was an episode that had a very special guest star, a person we discuss a lot on this podcast comes up constantly. He played a childhood friend of Sean and Gus's that was never mentioned before this one particular episode, conveniently. Uh, but there was a episode that guest starred our friend Freddie Prince Jr. And I was like, oh, that's really funny. And I should tell them about it later. And then I was like, I got to bring this up on the podcast because there is exactly one thing Freddie Prince Jr. could do in an episode of Psych that would make me think he, this has to be brought up on the podcast. Can you guys guess what that is? A deuce ex machina at the end with a gun. Okay, well, this time it happened to be nunchucks, but he for real did show up at the end of the episode and save everybody. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. It was the perfect, like, final boy status version of events where I was thinking in my head, like, it would be really funny if this happened. If that was just, like, in his contract, like, yeah, I'll come to your show, but I have to be the hero at the end. <laughs> and he was. He was the hero. But Did all of stupid... <clears throat> I here's the thing in terms of like <laughs> what we were talking about seconds before this this podcast started we were talking about how all men look hideous when they're getting head they all look a little <laughs> dumb when they're getting head I'm just imagining yeah. Adam uh when he gets head thinks he looks like Freddie Prince Jr like <laughs> like what what does that face look like this is great for the podcast audience but what does that face look like do you think Adam like <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> that's my favorite just <laughs> just imagining your partner doing you a real favor and you're just 
is this good content is this what our listeners were hoping for probably right i think so yeah Look, horror fans are kinky. They want to know. They want to know about that stuff, I think. Horror fans are the horniest bunch of fans. Horn balls I've ever met. Yeah, Just dude. judging by horror yeah. movies and how horny they are. Dude, like yeah. 90%. Hereditary? They could not get enough I, of each I, other in that family. Yeah. Goodness. I mean, hereditary. Talk about head. Oh. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, it was just funny because Adam said, like, the average horror fan is such a hornball. And I was like, if we're the sample size, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we are the most average of horror fans. I think we too. we represent the population uh, yeah. pretty well. Pretty we well. represent the most average of Joes and the most average of horror fans. Like, <laughs> we're the median of horror fans. There are those that are worse. <laughs> there are those that are better. better. We're, yeah. we're right in that sweet spot where people don't expect too much from us. Yep, I like. And that. we don't I, surprise anybody. <clears throat> no, no, never. I do think it's funny that when the show first started, we had somewhat the guise of like, we'll try to make this family friendly. We would bleep stuff. We'd avoid talking about anything too explicitly. And now we're at a point in this podcast where if you watch the YouTube version, Adam actively has a ticker that says "Wet for Wending Wendigos." <laughs> And we open it up talking about, like, what face do you make when you get head? Like, so we're a far cry from where we used to be. And I think it's for the better. I Like like we said, horror yeah, movies, I, you're, you're all just a bunch of, like, you're all just a bunch of perverts. And some of you out there actively like the fact that I just called you a pervert. And we know that, so. <laughs> yeah, I did. I mean, they probably did. You're right. <clears throat> yeah, you definitely shouldn't stop. The people at home really <laughs> want to hear it. The people at home, they... Uh, I mean, me personally, like, I don't need to know about it. But, like, the people at home, they got to know. They do. They deserve well, it. Well, this has been a forever long intro of not talking about the podcast and what it is yeah. at the end of the day. Adam has accurately introduced us as the most average of Joes. And the entire point of this podcast is we do exactly what you and your friends do after watching a horror movie. We sit around and we think... You know, what good decisions did the characters make? What bad decisions did the characters make? And how could we use our knowledge and our skills to get out alive? Uh, and so we represent the median of the population trying to determine how survivable a horror movie is. We come up with some plans to get out. And uh, we, we see how it all wraps up together at the end. And we have an exciting movie to talk about this week. This week, this is a movie I watched like the better part of a month ago. Uh, I watched it in broad daylight. I wish that wasn't, uh, I wish that was a joke. I watched it in broad daylight with a window directly behind the TV <laughs> <laughs> that was wide open. Uh, but this was a, a movie chosen by our good friend Lanton Lappin, and I would love to hear him introduce the movie give us sort of a summary of what it's about and tell us why he wanted to talk about this movie yes absolutely so this was one of the horror movies um that came out that when i watched the trailer i was very excited to see um to see what they were going to do because this is a movie that centers around the mythology of wendigos which i think is a very fascinating lore that comes from first nations peoples as well as Native Americans, um, 
I thought, you know, unfortunately, this is one that uh, was kind of pushed back with the, the pandemic with COVID and everything. But um, yeah, so basically just to kind of give a little bit of a synopsis, um, this whole movie takes place in this small Oregon town uh, and kind of centers around this teacher played by Carrie Russell, who grew up in this town, has since moved away and has moved back. She's living with her brother and she has a student in her class that starts to have kind of this um, just things seem to be off with him in his in his home life. And so that kind of starts to spark a, a chain of events of just spiraling into a lot of violence, a lot of madness, but it's a really good movie. Um, so that's just kind of a little bit of a synopsis of that. Um, but yeah, a big reason uh, I wanted to watch it and, and what it ended up delivering on. I know we're kind of getting more into the general opinions of the movie but what's cool i felt about this movie and why i wanted to bring it up in the podcast is that um similar to how the wendigo was used as a myth to bring up subjects of you know the darker sides of humanity this movie also brought up the same types of things in the sense of kind of delving into that darker nature of um of man i do have to say just to give anybody out there um, just a trigger warning, this is one that does delve into addiction, into abuse. So just have that in mind when you're watching it. But yes, um, that's just a little bit of why I wanted to talk about it, why I wanted us to watch it. And yeah. Also, a uh, spoiler alert uh, has to be said every podcast because we yes. break it down. We get into the nitty-gritty specific moments. We'll be talking about the end. So if you haven't seen it, <clears throat> go watch it and then, then come back and listen. Um, watch movies along with us. That's always fun. Yeah. Further spoiler alert, uh, although I will say you should just expect this uh, always, but Carrie Russell is a goddamn delight in this movie. Big fan of her. Big fan of her work. Uh, so spoilers, but, but she's fantastic. But spoiler alert. Sorry about that. <laughs> In case you're waiting with bated breath of like, I'm on the fence about Carrie Russell. This movie going to win me over or what? If you are that person, you need to rethink your life because Carrie Russell is amazing. <laughs> Remember when she was in like five minutes of a Mission Impossible film and like was the best part of that movie? Yes. Come on. Come I love on. Top Gun. I, I know, right? Her mustache and that was incredible. Dude, yes. But uh, now, now we're going to jump in. Before we get into the nitty-gritty of breaking down plot, characters, antagonists, uh, you know, little kid bullies, before we get into all of that, we'd like to just talk a little bit about what we thought of the movie, some highlights, some lowlights, and, uh, you know, maybe some gripes we have with the movie, as well as things we really want to call out as being great. Uh, Lanson just talked about, God, I, look, I don't know, I wasn't listening, but he was just talking, so I think it's Adam's turn to talk, probably. We'll circle back to you, Lappin, like, keep it down. Um, but let's, let's start with Adam, Mr. Wet for Wendigo's over here. I don't think this movie had any sort of effect on him. Uh... I was very wet by the end of this movie, so mm. I tell you how Adam, nobody asked. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
with my eyes. I answer the questions nobody asks. That's my <laughs> job. <laughs> the hero we need, but never asked for. Just imagining periodically for like the rest of the podcast, he'll just randomly bring up something that nobody asked about. He's like, well, you can't juice a banana, so there's no banana juice. Anyway. <laughs> well, anyway. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I didn't go into this movie really knowing anything about, uh, the movie itself or the lore of Wendigos. I think I've probably listened to, like, a cryptid podcast or something, and they talked about it briefly, but I didn't know a whole lot other than they were, like, uh, had antlers, judging by the title of this movie, <laughs> I guess. And I knew it was, like, a Native American thing, perhaps, um, but I, I feel pretty... 50 50 on this movie we don't do ratings anymore but if we did it'd be very in the middle because i think this movie felt great it had a great atmosphere i thought it was filmed very well i thought the effects were pretty good i liked the the character or the the creature design a lot i thought he was super spooky when you saw him you're like okay that's like i don't i can't imagine a better looking creature than than what they eventually did um but I will say I think this movie is a, is a slow burn and um, doesn't really uh, earn being a slow burn, if that makes sense. I think the story is pretty basic and um, it kind of feels like it's tr they're trying to unravel a mystery when you kind of already know what's going on the whole time. It's not really a mystery to you. Um, you kind of predict the end. And I, I felt like the end was honestly kind of anticlimactic. It was kind of like, I, I made the same joke about a different thing, but I'm going to say it again. It kind of felt like they turned on easy mode and were like, now I'm going to get, I'm going to just wreck this thing. And it's like, where, where did the scary, really well able Wendigo go? Now it's just like batting kind of generally in Carrie Russell's direction. Anyways. So there were some things I didn't like. I felt like it was kind of slow, but there wasn't enough intrigue in the story to really keep me interested. Um, but that being said, the atmosphere was awesome. I love the small town feel. I love movies that have that. The acting was great. We've talked about Carrie Russell, and you didn't see this, but before I was giving hate to Jesse Plemons because I hated his Breaking Bad character, but he's, he's, he's a great actor, and he was great in this. Um, the kid was really good. Uh, but I just think the the writing and the story itself um, didn't interest me enough to really hold me through this movie, unfortunately. But yeah, everything else was good. Those are my thoughts. <clears throat> Very good. And we'll slide it right over to Lappin. Give him a chance to uh, give a give a rebuttal. Emphasis on the butt, if possible. You got it. So Adam, <laughs> your ding dong. Your opinion is wrong. Mm. However, no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm, just I'm kidding. not it's surprised. It's like watching a presidential debate. Um, about that, you're a dummy head, so we can forget what he said. But what I'm gonna say is the truth because I said it anyway. Here we go. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, I I can definitely appreciate what you're saying, Adam. Um, I felt like I really like this movie. I will admit it's not the most amazing. Like if I we're just to be looking for a horror movie to watch on a Saturday night. This probably wouldn't be my first pick, but um, I thought that it was a solid enough story to keep me entertained, to keep me engaged. Um, I did really love 
Um, Adam kind of touched on it, but I did love the way that the movie was shot. I love the location in British Columbia where they shot it. it was amazing. Um, the creature design was great. Um, I do have to say an interesting fact is that the antlers aspect of Wendigos is actually something that is not necessary. I mean, there are some instances of that, but mostly... Um, a more accurate representation of what the Wendigo looks like in mythology is actually from the game uh, Until Dawn. The whole antlers mm -hmm. thing was actually added in a 2001 movie called Wendigo, which is kind of funny. Adam and I were talking about that briefly before the podcast. <laughs> Got Tom Lee Jones. This? <laughs> Are you fact-checking this right now in real time, Adam? Please do. No, I'm looking up Until the Dawn Wendigo because I'm interested. Oh, geez, that's a freaky-looking thing. Yeah, because usually it's... I mean, there are... I haven't played that game in forever. Yeah, no, but yeah, usually kind of having it be a longer frame, gaunt, almost the skin's just stretched over a skeleton-looking creature is more of what um, was found in Native American and First Nations people mythology. Um... But yeah, I did like, that being said, I did like the design. I did think that it was, you know, just a little bit unique to where I'm, I kind of was just saying, I don't know that I've seen that before. I don't know that I've had that sort of a representation of the Wendigo presented before. Um, I also loved the acting, Carrie Russell, Jesse Plemons, um, Goodness, I am forgetting the name of the actor that played the old sheriff. He's amazing. Oh, um, yeah. What's his name? Yeah. The, wasn't Jesse Plemons the sheriff? Um, old sheriff. The one that was uh, Graham Green. That's who, what his name is. That's right. Oh, the Dancing okay. with Wolves right, right, guy. Right. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but yes, he, he's great. Wait, so group. hold on. He was... Before Jesse Plemons was the sheriff, Graham Greene's character was the sheriff. Uh, you know, that actually explains a lot. That's why he <laughs> yeah. was always there at the crime scenes randomly. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, like, I was like, why is this guy so involved? <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. But yes, that is kind of my take. Um, not the greatest of movies, but I thought it was fun. I like the world that it created. I like the creature. Um, I thought the acting was very solid, so I give it <laughs> thumb up. I have to say, Adam, I'm a big fan of when a phone rings in the middle of of a podcast. That's I great forgot to turn it off. <laughs> That's my bad. It's I'm always so good. Professional. <laughs> I just wait until it happens to me. That's going to be fun. I'm going to call you right now. Calling you right now. <laughs> I've definitely done streams where you can hear on the stream my phone ringing. <laughs> and I don't pick it up because I'm so engrossed in what's happening. Uh, right. So uh, I'll, I'll. Yeah. What can I say that what's hasn't your been thoughts, said already? Luke? Boy, oh boy. Um, I'm glad I've actually had some time to sit with this movie. I feel like the longer I sit with it, the more I like it. I think that's a common thread with me through this series. If, like, Got to marinate the more, on your movies. I got to really like sit with them for a while and think about Respect it. The performance is great. I like how it looks. I like the effects. Uh, I one thing you know, and 
this doesn't have a whole lot of weight because I'm like a white guy, but I do feel like needs to be said. Uh, it is always kind of weird when we see mythology from a certain culture ripped off or not ripped off, but like taken and put into a horror movie that has white protagonists. I always think that that's a bit of a, I, you know, not to be too much of a downer on this movie, but I, I, I think that can be a bit of a bummer when you know that the the uh, Wendigo is so very much a First Nation and Native American kind of folklore, it does make it kind of a bummer that you're like, oh, so I'm going to watch a movie about a bunch of white people then? <laughs> like, um, But obviously this movie kind of had other stuff going on and had other themes going on. Um, and so I, I thought it was a really solid watch, very atmospheric, very cool. Uh, but I, I do think that's a legitimate thing that somebody should probably say. So I will say it. <laughs> um, as far as if there's anything else, I, I will say I, I didn't do the research that Lanson did into this movie. Uh, the, the, the research I did into the Wendigo mythology was I watched the episode of Supernatural that they were in. And it's really, it's really interesting oh, to hear Lance episode too. Yeah, yeah. it's really interesting to hear Lance and share facts about like what they looked like in mythology, and know that a movie about Wendigos is somehow less accurate than their portrayal in Supernatural. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in that cheap CW, like that was like episode three of that show, so yeah, they still had no money. Still thought they were going to be canceled any day, and in fairness, <laughs> they they did get canceled. You know, like eventually, yeah, so they knew it was coming from from day one. <laughs> they were like, "Oh boy, we only got fifteen years. <laughs> we only have the better part of two decades to wrap this up." <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I like, um, I really get taken in by mythological creatures in movies that are not the standard mythology creatures you know not vampires not werewolves i like when they find something that isn't talked about a lot and discussed uh lanson and i as a bit started watching teen wolf together and then oh, i yeah. think the bit somewhere along the way was no longer a bit because we watched like half of it <laughs> and the shout out we kept giving to that show is like they found weird mythologies. Like the the baseline was like werewolves, which is pretty standard. But they went out of their way to like go into mythologies that you had never heard of before. In particular, like some of the Japanese mythology they explored in like seasons three, four. I, I the way they track seasons is so confusing. But there's some really cool like Japanese mythology going on in that show, and so I love anything. Even if it's like really poorly put together, it will get a seal of approval from me if they highlight a mythology that's not talked about in the mainstream. And it gives it a chance to really let you learn about it and get excited about it. And Wendigos, I've been fascinated with ever since I saw that episode of Supernatural as a yeah. young lad. Uh, yes. So I was just excited for a movie about that. And I think this is a really bold depiction of them that's very aesthetically cool and unique. Uh, so there's a lot of positive things to say about this movie. So if you like atmospheric horror that's very thematic, um, check it out. It definitely is a bit anticlimactic, I think. It's so atmospheric and a lot of like crazy shit happens throughout the movie that by the end of the movie, you're kind of expecting a Slipknot concert and then it's just like, just kind of ends. <laughs> 
I say that as if th- this movie doesn't end with Carrie Russell killing a small ch- Mercy killing a small child. <laughs> Amen. Um, but like, so yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> but this movie does end with Carrie Russell Mercy killing a small child. So that's pretty intense. But like, other than that, I was a bit taken aback because I was expecting a much like crazier, more insane, more gory, more all out bonanza kind of end to a movie. And emotionally, it's pretty intense, but like the actual film and story of what's happening isn't isn't too crazy. So I don't know. That's enough of that. Shut up, Adam. We're done talking about the movie in general. It's time to go specific. But what about? So, hey, this? shut. Okay, first of all, shut your mouth. Okay. It's still so open. It's all the way closed. I'm following. You're, you're doing such a bad job. <laughs> but I, I need everybody's mouths all the way closed. And then I need Adam to open his mouth so we can talk about his favorite subject, the Wendigo. Because it is time for the section of the podcast where we break down the antagonist. We talk about their strengths. We talk about their weaknesses. And we try to start formulating a plan to best them in ceremonial combat. And so I, I feel like the time has come for us to talk more about uh, the Wendigo and its portrayal in this movie, some strengths, some weaknesses. And Adam is just so darn excited about him. I feel like we have to start with him. Hopefully he has something to say. I always have something to say, Luke. And okay. the thing I'm going to say now is this. Buying <clears throat> himself time to think. <laughs> yeah, I'm not stalling. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I already said this. I feel like the the power level of the 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 Wendigo was kind of inconsistent. Where it was pretty OP, it would just rip people apart. It would murder kids, adults, whoever got in its way. And um, then at the end, it it seemed pretty easy to take down. Um, at least in my opinion, it seemed. But I think just going objective strengths it's huge it's powerful it's got spiny things that it can stab you with it seems pretty good at um camouflage because there's a lot of scenes where it's kind of there and then it just appears and the characters didn't see it so um i mean it kind of blends into the trees a little bit it's um in a small town where there's not a very good police force and i guess that's kind of strength more of a weakness with the characters but uh, it has that its choice of location is a is a big strength because it can just kind of um you know be there without nuclear bombs coming down <clears throat> i i mean not with that attitude you got to <laughs> you got to do some reframing on your mental process there brother I've no, been told um, that many times. <laughs> I feel like it's also worth pointing out that, like, in this particular, I, I don't know how true to Native American mythology this is, uh, but in in this movie, like, Wendigo is sort of almost like an illness, even. So, like, it's something that's transmutable, uh, which I believe is a word. So, like, it's kind of like you get that end reveal that basically everybody who came in contact with the Wendigo, if they survived their encounter with it, they were infected and they would in fact become a new Wendigo. So it's, 
uh, I feel like that's something that has to be taken into effect or taken into your thought process is like, even if you best it, you're not necessarily walking away without, without, you know, propagating the species still, you know, it's like John Carpenter is the thing of like, you know, like you can beat it, you can destroy it, but like, even down to like a cellular level, this thing can crawl its way back. And that's sort of overwhelming in a way too. So you'd have to have something happen where you're like, that there'd have to be something pretty significant uh, to take this thing down and stop the disease like in its tracks. I mean, you know, this movie, Mercy killed a small child who was infected. And then immediately in the next scene was like, this other small child is also infected. And I guess will eventually one day die. And you're like, oh, great. <laughs> so all of that was kind of for nothing. Uh, so I feel like that's just an important thing I wanted to address right away. Uh, Lappin, this is your pick, your movie. What are your thoughts on the creatures and strengths and weaknesses? What do you got? <laughs> My time to shine. Um, <laughs> no, but in everything. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, as far as strengths, I think it's been brought up. Uh, the Wendigo has incredible strength and speed um, and does have stealth. Um, one of its only weaknesses, though, famously in legend, is Carrie Russell or women that look like Carrie Russell. So, you know, <laughs> it's got that. I'm just kidding. But women yeah, I look did. like Carrie Russell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, or just women. Basically Honestly, just... <laughs> it's just women. If, yep, let me check my notes. Yeah, just women. women that look like Carrie Russell. So anybody that's ever been in a movie with Adam Sandler, uh, dude, that's everybody. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> Rebecca Ferguson from Mission Impossible. Huh. <laughs> oh man. No one else from Mission Impossible, but Rebecca Ferguson got in there. Yeah, she got it. She got the secondhand Wendigo kryptonite gene. And according to Wikipedia, there's only one man that's ever confronted a Wendigo and managed to kill it, and that was Emilio Estevez? Whoa. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Adds up. I mean, that guy's that guy just crushes it every time. He's you every know, time. never met a challenge he couldn't take on. That's right. Breakfast Club and others. Mighty Ducks. Yeah. That too. God, he was in that one until you said that. <laughs> in fairness, like he's in Mighty Ducks one and two, and then Mighty Ducks three was like, we don't need him. We don't need him. And then it turned out they did need him. <laughs> Mighty Ducks is bigger than Emilio Estevez. <laughs> the brand the will survive. Audiences were like, no, it is not. No, about that. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Um, Sorry, you were saying, Lance. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. So something that is interesting that the movie kind of diverts from mythology about Wendigos is the fact that uh, it treats uh, becoming a Wendigo like a virus, whereas in mythology, a Wendigo is an evil spirit that follows chaos and basically any sort of um, darker sides of humanity. So ultimately, it's almost more like a possession where you know, it's not so much like a disease, but rather at the end of the day, it's your choice to consume human flesh and your greed that you give into that ultimately turns you into a Wendigo rather than like come in contact with one. So, 
anyway, I thought I thought that was kind of an interesting thing to read about as in comparison to watching the movie. But yeah, definitely in this in this case in this movie, it seems like um, yeah, even if you do escape the Wendigo or even if you do survive, you don't really survive, you know, because you can get infected by it. Um, which is true to the myth in the sense of, you know, when you're marked by the Wendigo, you're marked for life. It'll follow you to the rest of your days. So, right. And, you know, like, uh, <laughs> uh, to, to, sorry if I'm getting like way too serious with this because here at this podcast, we're more about jokes than anything. But, like, uh, I think that's why the, the myth of the Wendigo was actually a really interesting thing to pair with, like, uh, thematically, like the cycle of abuse, because mm-hmm. like anybody that experiences that has like the potential for that in them in a way. So it's like, so you know, we see that obviously with Jesse Plemons, the brother. Because I mean, you know, it's never outright said because it's more focused on Carrie Russell's character and her relationship with her dad. But obviously, like the implication is there that he was also abused and also had a lot of trauma associated with that and like you said it's sort of interesting to have this the thought of like in native american mythology it's really dependent on like how much you cave to that and how much you like give in to that side of your nature and maybe like that's part of what the movie is saying it was like just because you carry this in you doesn't mean you know like it's over like it depends on how much you feed this thing because you know, even though in the next scene they're like, oh, by the way, this little kid is infected. Like, they didn't, like, of mice and men him right there on the beach, you know? Like, they're like, <laughs> well, we'll keep him alive. He'll probably live a good life, you know? Like, it's probably all good. So, like, just because you're infected, I guess we shouldn't act like that means it's all over. Like, it depends on how much you give in to that thing. In the same way that, like, violence as a cycle is a cycle like it's dependent on you giving in to the seed of something within you so like if you choose not to feed that side of yourself that can go a long way and you know lapin for instance like huge seed of violence in that guy he wakes up every day and is like not today yep (laughs) yep (laughs) guy's a full werewolf in in a t-shirt (laughs) oh wow yes that's me just an uncontrollable massive rage (laughs) Uh, adam was saying something please go ahead adam it's all good i think uh i think a part of the movie that i liked that i think i mean obviously there's a couple metaphors going on because there's also well there's like physical abuse and then there's drug abuse which a lot of times kind of go hand in hand but i liked how when the dad got infected um he was like you you could tell he was like fighting this side of him that was ravenous but he was still like a really good dude i mean he was he, he made meth but um he was like i need to protect my kids and so he made the locks on the door and he was still concerned about his son getting sick but he couldn't really do anything about it so he's like yeah just bring him in i guess and then so i well this doesn't i mean this is kind of off topic but i i think it does show that um kind of shows the humanity in in the you know in the cycle where i don't know 
lot of people are just sick. Well, and, and, you know, uh, we, we ragged on this movie a bit. So something to its benefit that I thought within the first five minutes is I'm like, oh yeah, the low income single father who has to do illegal stuff to support his family. Like there's a version of that movie where they present that guy as just an irredeemable monster from the first frame. He hates his kid. He kids, he's nasty towards them. But the opening scene makes a point of showing how good he is with his son and that they yeah. have a very meaningful relationship. And it honestly does make it like harder hitting that he was just in a position where he felt like he couldn't ask for help and he tried to do everything himself and he caved into the sickness, which again, you know, is it's a metaphor for like, you know, the sickness of the Wendigo is a metaphor for like, it's confusing because it's supposed to be a metaphor for like six different things in this movie. Uh, but yeah, it is kind of a metaphor for like drug addiction. And in his case, like the real thing that happens in homes of Americans where a loving and caring parent who wants to be there for their kids, like caves into the sickness and, you know, it's just a little giving yourself a little bit at a time, a little bit of time until you're just like checked out, you know, you're gone. And, you know, his intention was always good, but you know, how do you, you reach a point where you just like, how do you go back from that? You know? Um, and in fairness, he, he did not. A full antler creature ripped out of him. Like, it was nasty and very cool. And right about at that point in the movie, I was like, you know, I don't think they cure the dad. I, I don't think, think he makes I think it. This is it for him. I know. I think he, uh, he might be dead. He takes off when the Wendigo takes off the flesh mask <laughs> of his face. Yeah, Whoa. when when his body literally splits in half and the only thing left is his face hanging on to the Wendigo's face. Right about then, I was like, huh, maybe the dad doesn't come back from this. <laughs> maybe. I will say to kind of step back into the strengths is that it's good to have a your mythological spiritual effect on people be very incredibly similar to the effects of drugs in a town that's riddled with addiction uh because like what happens in this movie people don't catch on and they're just like very concerningly but understandably there's not a lot of resources in a small town they're like ah the parents are just that's just what it's like over there there's nothing we can do and so again the yeah. location that this creature is operating in is very optimal for it to to continue without being noticed right real but quick. the flip side of that argument when the war on drugs comes to their town that creature is so screwed it's ripping them apart just say no when reganomics finally gets there oh boy <laughs> the wendigo is done for that's right drive it into the sea my dude <laughs> uh something i'm gonna point out as a weakness which none of us has touched on but we really should have by now Mm -hmm. At the end of the movie, we discover that if you cut the Wendigo's heart out of its chest, it's like a creepy twine ball that immediately collapses into dust. So, like, you shoot this thing, no effect, but if you manage to cut out its heart, its heart literally dissolves upon contact with the air. So, like, in terms of weakness, huge. Yeah. Absolutely weakness. massive. And I believe that that's something that, uh, I don't know the character's name, uh, but the the actor Graham Green, correct? The old sheriff. Yep. Yeah, he at one point like says something about like you have to destroy the heart of the Wendigo, and Carrie Russell is like, 
will do cuts it open pulls out the heart and immediately just it destroys itself like <laughs> man that was so, a lot easier than i thought apparently this virus dies as soon as it touches air maybe we were worried about nothing you guys um <laughs> but like in terms of weaknesses feel like we should call that out like that's pretty major like right you know guns don't do much to this thing maybe you take like a rocket launcher you know if you just get the chest open enough that the heart touches the air you like you're done you know you get a xenomorph on that sucker he's gone Ooh, now we're talking it's a classic uh one-two punch in that the wendigo is gone but now you have a xenomorph to deal with <laughs> that's right <laughs> alien versus predator versus wendigo I mean, and there does seem to be a little bit of an implication that there's, like, a point. I mean, I was joking about it earlier, but there does seem to be in the narrative of a movie, like, there's a point of no return. But up until that point, you could, question mark, come back from the Wendigo sickness. Yeah. We don't see a character do it, so we can't really say for sure. Um, but it does seem to be, like, hinted at that, like, the point of no return is when the Wendigo is about to split your body in half and emerge um and that's like the only reason why carrie russell mercy kills that kid at the end is she's like the wendigo's coming it's happening and now then, and then she you know exposes the art heart to air and that takes care of that so like I, a couple things to note like one this isn't like a virus like the coronavirus where like you have to actively stop the spread. Like if you have it, there are things you can do to combat it and not feed that side of yourself. Um, one, two, if your heart touches the air, uh, it's done for. Like if somebody did like an open heart surgery on you while you're just infected, I think you're cured. <laughs> so yeah. like, I'll just do like an elective open heart surgery. They do that, right? Like I can go to a med school and be like, you guys got to mm -hmm. practice your slicing and dicing. Go ahead and open heart surgery on this guy. <laughs> just got to sign your table, name a couple times. <laughs> go ahead and right. spray my heart with some Lysol. That'll probably solve the problem. I'll do it. A little bit of Febreze just so I don't have heartburn. <laughs> just uh, melt a Tums and just sprinkle it around the heart. <laughs> Famously, Tums are really good to have in your body, but outside of your stomach. So you just got to like... Yeah, don't put it in your stomach. <laughs> That's where most people get it wrong. You do not want that in your stomach. Ooh, tell you what. In, in your lungs, if possible, crush that up and snort it like cheap cocaine. Rub it on your gums. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I think kind of like a little bit of movie lore is that he said that Wendigo's uh feed and the more they feed the more hungry they get so i think as a potential weakness if someone who is able like um i mean i guess carrie russell and jesse plemons were both infected but they were taking care of this kid if they were concerned about him becoming a wendigo fast you just ration the portion portions maybe he likes raw meat but you just cut up the chicken into little bite-sized pieces and give him a little <laughs> bit you don't I don't know. It's yeah. it's very gradual. I think you can at least slow the process if you don't, you know, give him entire things of roadkill. The kid was even cutting up the pieces, so maybe that's what he was doing at the in the movie. I didn't think about that till now. But uh yeah. And this is a worthwhile question, right? If the thing that turns you into a Wendigo is consuming 
raw meat question mark become a vegetarian is that what you're gonna go with well part of me is like and you get hungrier like the the more you eat part of me is like if you just like never eat raw meat would you just be like a little hungry for the rest of your life like it would be shitty but like i could handle being a little bit hungry for the rest of my life (laughs) like (laughs) just get a hobby that's that that satiates you you know Uh, yeah i mean like well they say like uh if you're an alcoholic you should always be drinking water or coffee that way like there's never a moment where there's like not a drink in your hand and you think about drinking alcohol so like in this circumstance you're just like always eating like fucking Chex mix like (laughs) tofu is always yeah, he's got always got a bag of trail mix on you. Yeah, like, <laughs> if the Just one kidding. thing that does it is raw meat, like, all you have to do is cook your meat, and like, you're a little hungry for the rest of your life. But as long as you always are eating something, if you're like Brad Pitt in the Ocean's Eleven movies, you like like a al- like an alcoholic, constantly drinking water or coffee, like. I I don't know. Maybe that would work wonders. I like. I'm not a doctor. At the end of the, I, I have to. I have to clarify right away no matter what people have read online i'm not a doctor mm, i sometimes I doctor, make that though. claim online because it's very funny but i am not in real life a doctor i i am a real life doctor um self uh promoted and uh <laughs> i think it would work <laughs> there you go so, self-promoted so you like put up posters around time around town that say adam bone comma doctor Correct. Yeah. You. you Are you that Adam Bone? <laughs> I am the I've only the... Adam Bone. I made sure of do, it. Yeah. Do a Google there search. Can out only there can only be You're one. You're not going to find another Adam Bone. Not a. If there's a listener out there that is Adam Bone, you're not Adam Bone. Beware. <laughs> oh, I was thinking this was going to turn into a freaking Highlander sort of thing. There no. can only be one. It's the, there Taking is only out the one. others. The other ones don't <laughs> exist. It's Mortal Kombat, but just among people named Adam Bone, and Adam Bone will be the champion. Yes. Yes. Uh, good point, though. I feel like that's, uh, yeah, just, just you know, cut down the meat consumption, and I think you, you've handled the, the bulk of the problem there. And again, like, it's very unclear, because I think in Native American mythology the meat consumption that turns you into a Wendigo is human meat. Yeah. So question mark all the times. The roadkill wasn't doing anything. So the roadkill wasn't turning them into more of a Wendigo, but it was making them hungrier. So when human meat marched through their door, they ate the human meat and turned into Wendigos. Oh. So that's like the trick, right? Is like, don't eat a human. Yeah. Like don't eat a human. So, like, in theory, if raw meat is, like, what's making you hungrier and hungrier, then just, like, cook your meat. Like, do you know how much raw meat <laughs> I've eaten in my life? Almost none. Oh, dang. I, I mean, look, I, I, I could run through my mind palace for the next 10 minutes and come <laughs> back with a definitive answer of how much raw meat I've eaten. You're not and a sushi possibly guy, huh? zero. It's possibly zero. There you go. <coughs> oh, I love sushi, actually. I didn't think about that. Well, <coughs> sorry Fuck. to collapse your whole whole thing there, your mind palace. Well, um, <clears throat> yeah, forget it. Sorry, I'm, I'm a Wendigo. 
<laughs> Everything I said over the past 15 minutes, just just forget it. Forget it. He's already one of them. Here's something I just thought of. The moment a foreign, well, okay, that was the wrong word. A non-familiar, non-familial human walks through the doors. They get immediately eaten. The kids never in danger. Like it's scary, and he's freaked out. But I, I don't know. Maybe it's the still the choice. You know, the free agency going on with the dad, where he just forces himself not to eat his kids. Uh, but it never happens. So maybe if it's your family that's all around you, you're you're okay. Just don't don't uh, yeah. don't don't get a foreigner in there. The the implication of what Adam just said being that there was a conversation that dad had with himself where he's like, I would never hurt my son. But the first stranger that walks through that door. Uh. <laughs> All right. Well, we should move on. We're, we're moving a little bit slower than we normally do. This might end up being a super long episode. But uh, sorry, guys. We're just it's we're having fault. too much fun. I was doing my crowd work and we had to make time <laughs> for that. Um Yes. Look, so uh, next we got to talk about characters. We got to talk about our characters, things they did, choices they made, what's questionable, what made sense to us. Uh, I'll start with a little something. One thing that made a lot of sense to me in this movie is that when the uh, old sheriff, apparently, who I did not realize had any sort of position in law enforcement, when he's like, hey, this sounds like a Wendigo, the current sheriff is like, Oh, that made-up thing? It's probably not that. <laughs> and honestly, I found that super relatable. That he was like, oh, well, it's obviously not that. Like, if I was in his position, like, honestly, it's one of those things, right, where, like, um, sometimes in movies and television shows, you watch cops make, like, the weirdest decisions. Spoiler alert. Uh, Stranger Things season four, boom kapow! Uh, but there's a guy in that in that season who's accused of murder, and like this other guy who's chasing that guy around, trying to kill him over it. And the cops like find the guy who's chasing. This is complicated without names. <laughs> there's like the jock character of Jason who's trying to chase down the person who's been accused of murder and trying to murder him and the cops at multiple points in time catch jason in the act of trying to murder this other person and then just like let him go literally a scene where they like find jason like cradling a dead body and he tells them it was this other guy he made this body float up into the air and then he killed him and i'm going in what universe does that cop not arrest Jason? Right. He's know. sitting there holding the body and then goes, this other guy did it with a satanic curse. And you're like, oh, or you did this. Or you just did this, yeah. <laughs> like, so uh, it, it was very... Sometimes cops make choices in movies where I'm like, what? And I was worried that this would be a movie where the cops like, yeah, a Wendigo. It makes perfect sense. But in this movie, he very much acted like a human being and was like, oh, okay, so obviously no we got to find like a dude who's doing this <laughs> and uh i found that relatable and i would have done the same thing i would have been like hey mythology's cool but also wasn't that uh, lanson weigh in come on <laughs> so i think 
that Eddie was to blame for those murders. Even though I watched season four and I know what goes down, it's still Eddie. So that's what I have to say. I definitely was listening and contributed to this conversation. Okay. Well, I haven't seen it. No. You guys spoiled it for me. So thank you. You're welcome, dude. You know, you know what? I'm done. Uh, <laughs> you kill Lanson? <laughs> yeah, I Jesse Plemons, Tim. Thank you. <laughs> what we've all been waiting for. Well, Lanson. I can, I can still see Lanson. Can Lanson, you unkill him, Lanson? You can nod or can you can you shake your head. Are you going to behave yourself? Him. I can't tell what he's doing. I he's like nodding and shaking his head at the same time. Bring him back! Oh my, <laughs> my god. Okay, but on a real note, though. I was, decision that i thought was great was when carrie russell went to the house and she heard some crazy noise and she was like nah i'm not gonna go in that house i'm leaving <laughs> i was like yes that's like one of the best decisions ever made in a horror movie uh, also like she has no right to be there like <laughs> right when the friggin' like principal just like walks into the house yeah I'm like, that is I was gonna say what? the juxtaposition between the two scenes where it shows her peeling out and she's like nah I'm not supposed to be there. There's a weird sound, but the principal's like, oh, an open door. Oh, a totally locked and bolted door. For, she did hear a crying child that seemed distressed, so I think at that point it was a little bit more fair, but yeah, that that uh, previously anal acting principal was, was pretty okay walking into a house and breaking the law. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of, like, decisions... If I hear a crying child, am I busting down the door? Um, God, this is a tough one. Because um, mm. children, I is this weird to say? Children cry, you know? <laughs> For no reason like, sometimes. <laughs> I mean, so, you, like, there's that thing, too, of, like, ch kids cry about things that don't matter, right? Yeah. Because, like, when you drop saying. a kid, like... Oh. It's a it's a lot of crying for like something that's not uh -huh. a big deal. All right, this is yeah. anyway. Place to take this joke. He <laughs> <laughs> really is a Wendigo. <laughs> Look, all I'm saying is, you know, you take a little bite of the baby, like they're gonna cry. But like, is it a big deal? You know? <laughs> yes, yes, Luke. Yes, it is. They, you know, they the the term you're being a baby. You know, like that doesn't exist. That. What am I trying to say? That exists for a reason, you know? <laughs> like, do you think I would tell, like, Lance, I'm like, hey, you're being kind of a baby right now if yeah. babies were, like, famously very courageous and tough? Yeah, that's what I've heard. I mean, nobody puts baby in a corner. I live I think, my life for that. Damn it. <laughs> don't, don't kill him again. <laughs> I'm putting him in timeout. He used to think about what he's done. You can't, you can't be judge, jury, and executioner. You're just mad that you can't do it. You would have done it I to both have. of us and done the I, podcast by I, yourself. I might Indeed. have done that, actually, now that you bring it up. That's a good <laughs> idea. I want to say that unless you guys can think of any other instances, I think the really only time I was yelling at the screen and saying that you, you are going to get yourself killed and they got killed was the principal. I feel like in most other deaths, it was pretty uh, either random or or there's no way to see the creature coming, or the creature was just too powerful for them. I, I can't think of any other depth, deaths that was like, 
obviously the the person was being really dumb and did it to themselves uh i don't know i mean i i do i don't want to like disregard it because it's like an emotional thing and you can't always account for that but the fact that that kid was like so gung-ho to go live in the freaking caves like with his yeah when to go dad and zombie brother i question that a little uh, fair enough like i i know he did a lot but they're like there's diminishing returns on that right like i'm not crazy in thinking that right like there's got to come a point where you're like this is oh now we live in a cave or i could live with my nice teacher who gets me ice cream hmm Who's also Carrie Russell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See you, Dad. <laughs> I, I don't know, like not not to be that guy, but yeah, like when he runs away to go join them in the cave, I'm like, you're a little kid, you've got a lot going on, but I don't know about this. Like, no. here's a question. This this scene didn't make sense to me, and I'm I think it could have been like a Luke thing where I just missed a bit of dialogue that explained the whole thing. But, oh, I uh, could explain this. Uh, Jesse Plemons and Carrie Russell were brother and sister. Uh, nope, not what I was going to ask. <laughs> but good to know. Thank you. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. His police officer uh, guy from Oculus, you know, his, his I keep wanting to say companion, but his, his other partner. guy. Other, partner? His partner, thank you. His partner. Was Oculus? Yeah, he was the the dick dad in Oculus. I had to look it up because I was like, I swear I've seen this guy somewhere, and that's oh, that's that is. <laughs> I just watched Oculus yesterday, no and way. I kept yeah. looking at the dad, and I was like, where do I know him from? <laughs> from Antlers. Hey. Uh, he all right, pretty much zero things to do in this movie, but he was great in Oculus. Um, he drives up to Jesse Plemons and Carrie Russell's house, and he like has Jesse Plemons on the walkie-talkie, and he's like. I'm at your house, and Jesse Plemons like, yeah, just take a look around, I'll be there. So he goes around and, like, surveys the area and looks through the windows all weird. And Carrie Russell's in there with the kid, but they don't really acknowledge each other. And then he hears a sound. Was there a dialogue I missed that he was like, oh, we gotta make sure your house is secure and safe? Was, like, what? I, I just didn't get the motivation behind that. And if if we don't come up with it, I, I think it was kind of dumb. It's a stupid, weird character. Um, I thought that made sense to me. Like, I thought really? that's what the sheriff was communicating over the walkie was like, hey, I'll be home soon. Just like do a sweep of the perimeter. Because at that point, um, they think somebody killed the dad and took the little brother. So they think the kid is probably a target. So I thought it was like a standard, like small town police lockdown of like, all right, the deputy's mm -hmm. there. You do. You do a lap, have a look around. When I get home, I'll do a lap, have a look around, and then we'll kind of maintain a perimeter through the night. I thought that's what was going on. Gotcha. That's Otherwise, why would the deputy be at his house, you know? Well, that was my question. I was like, this is... I, I feel like the, him showing up and being him like, yeah, just take a look around. It was just kind of a weird scene where I was like, I don't know. It just felt weird for some reason. But I think his death... Give it like if we just go with what you said, he was supposed to be there. He heard a noise in the shed. He finds the kid. I don't know. I feel like that was pretty unavoidable as far as the death is concerned. I mean, I, I guess he could avoid it if he was like bad at his job. 
Yeah, if he was right. a bad cop. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's if like, he was like eh. slacking off behind a 7 Eleven instead of going and securing the perimeter. Yeah, I'm there, man. Everything looks good. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> everything looks day. okay here. Can I get the red bang? <laughs> red bang, please. <laughs> large? What's the largest? Yeah, that one. Great. <laughs> what do you mean I can't put a I can't put a Slurpee in the big gulp cup. What's what's wrong with that? The lid fits. <laughs> a, the lid fits. That should be fine. Can we get a couple road Slurpees? <laughs> Have to pay for these? What? <laughs> anyway, we gotta go. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> See ya. <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. Um, I, I think I agree with your assessment. Other than... um. And I don't know. I'm trying to think back to when I was a kid and like it's hard too, especially when you're a little kid that's put in the position of taking care of the family. I truly don't understand what that does to somebody and I understand that it creates a certain loyalty and a certain rebellion that I don't understand. But I think I agree with you. Like the principal going into the house, I was a bit like, hmm, you're overstepping your bounds on that. Um, and the little kid at the end running to the cave to be with his family i was a bit like huh i i mean i guess i get it but also like i don't know that i get it um <laughs> same with the fact that the kid never I, he was very very secretive in covering up the mistakes of his father which again w weird familial loyalty but i don't think it was weird to me that he never was like i should like get it like a nurse here or something Maybe just because he knew his father might kill them is maybe that's what it is. But I don't know. He could have been like, hey, my father's really sick and, and ask for help, maybe. But kind of like you said, I, I don't I don't really know what the, the mindset is is there in a, on a psychological level. <laughs> I mean, talking about <clears throat> the dad, like this is a tough situation to be in, and I'm not trying to downplay this, but like, wouldn't there be a day where he woke up and he was like Actually, I don't think I'm getting better. Like, <laughs> like not to be this guy, but don't you think there would be a day where he woke up and he was like, actually, I don't think I can take care of my kids anymore. <laughs> like, I, I think I'm a menace to society, if I'm going to be honest with everybody. Just this nice Man. internal monologue when he's looking into the mirror, it turns into a <laughs> musical number. <laughs> yeah. Who am men, I? Men when to go, my baby. Men will literally turn into a Wendigo instead of going to therapy. Like, Dang, crazy right, dude. Forget that. You're not getting inside my mind, <laughs> but I'll rip inside your brain. But I, I don't know. Like, I, I get it. It's a lot of pressure. You're trying to keep your family together. You're hoping against hope that you're going to get better. And there is sort of like, I know that part of the movie is sort of a metaphor for addiction. But addiction has kind of like a shame element to it where being actually sick and by the way, can't believe I phrased it that way because being addicted is actually being sick. But like, you, like if you had pneumonia, would you really be like, oh man, hope I recover from this? Like, <laughs> it would be like if he like figured out on his own time, like, oh, I got cancer. I'll probably get better. Uh <laughs> Like, there's an actual physical illness that's changing his body, and there was never a day where he woke up and was like, I'm going to need to call someone. <laughs> Let's see if the kids can stay with Grandma and Grandpa for a bit. Like, this is... Mom? Dad? It's me again. 
Yeah, the Wendigo thing flared up again. Could you watch him for a couple days? <laughs> I'm really trying here. I know. Yeah, I I made sure that I didn't put the tums in my stomach, but <laughs> hey, okay. Hey, Carrie Russell. Carrie Russell. Uh, are you? You can talk to her. Yeah. Do you just take my kids to go get ice cream like you did the other day? Great. Uh, here's the thing. When you get back, I will be a crazy creature with antlers. Um, so maybe just don't come back. Now that I'm thinking, now that I'm saying it out loud, what makes the most sense to me is my kids leave later today. They do not come back. Uh, and I embrace my destiny, which is to roam the wilderness. Are you single? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to like, think what a Wendigo would do in the wilderness. It's like, my destiny is to roam the wilderness. Indeed. Licking rocks and wearing <laughs> socks. Adios, <laughs> bitch. Dude, that's the that's a freaking company we need to start. Wendigo socks. <laughs> oh, boy. And that's how they show that he was really too far gone in the scene. Is he ends the call in a way he's never ended any call. And he goes, adios, bitch. And you're like, oh, he's too far gone. He's oh, not you gotta kill back that guy. This. You don't talk about Kerry Russell that way, my dude. <laughs> he's too far gone, man. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. I can't. Yeah, I can't think of any other situations where, like, actual choices that characters made where it's like, oh, man, I would have done that differently because it, it really just kind of seems like a lot of it was the element of surprise and just when to go gets you. Sure. Uh, yeah, maybe the only thing that, like, could be different, and this is a much darker ending, but I'm just imagining... Adam would really love this, but I'm just imagining Jesse Plemons at the end looks at the Wendigo sickness like spreading through his arm or whatever. And as soon as he sees that, just like wordlessly, like, you know, his sister and uh, by proxy nephew, just like a few feet away, he just pulls out his gun and on the spot. <laughs> Adios. No. I will never wear socks. You can't get me to do it. Socks off, my dude. <laughs> just like if that's how this movie ended, like, well, I'm not saying something. it would be a, I'm not saying it would be a better ending, but like, that'd be that's really one something. you'd have to sit with, you know? Yeah, right. Anyway, I forgot that I was hosting. I was waiting for somebody else to pick up the slack. <laughs> I've been slacking. I ain't got to do nothing this time around. I'm just here. <laughs> <laughs> Look. We all know what time it is. It's time for the championship round. It's time to see who brings home the belt. And uh, <clears throat> I, I'm going to start with Lanson, and I'm giving him advance notice. I'm going to ramp up a little bit so he has time to think. But this is the part of the podcast where we talk about final boy status and final girl status. Uh, for those of you who don't know, final boy status means you get most of the way through the movie, but you don't quite, you don't quite survive it. You probably survive a good large chunk of it. And you are most likely the final death of the movie, but you do, in fact, die. Final girl status is taking home all the wheat thins. You survive this movie. You probably kill the creature. And you get away and you live out the rest of your life. Uh, and it's hopefully good. You're the Carrie Russell and of this my, picture. And my reward is wheat thins. Yeah, dude. What else would yeah. you want? 
I would want a lot more than that. Adam, <clears> don't like be greedy. Like he starts doing like a hostage negotiation list. Like I want a helicopter. I want three thousand dollars in unmarked bills. Do you have any triscuits over there, or just <laughs> wheat thins? What What's the cheese it situation? <laughs> oh yeah, dude. If that's on the table, you got to take that. You're telling me you got white cheddar? Mm. You got yourself a deal. <laughs> uh, look, Adam. It's a turn of phrase. Uh, it's it's <laughs> famously. So many people say for all the wheat thins, and I that's think right. you just need to take it down a notch. Look, it's I not like often wheat thick. <laughs> oh boy, that's... it's not often that I put Adam in his place. I usually prefer that he do that to me for sexual reasons. But this is a <laughs> moment in time where I'll put Adam in his place, and I say, "We do this podcast for the wheat thins. Uh, please sponsor us." So, kicking please it over to Lance and Lappin, I want to hear. If he thinks final boy status is on the horizon for him, and if final girl status is something he can walk away with, and if he can, I want to hear how he's going to do it. I want to hear his plan. So, yes. Lanson, what titles are you walking away with from this round? Both. Oh, snap. And let me tell you how. So the thing about me is in this town, I'm not only making meth, I'm doing a lot of meth. I'm doing a lot. Like, I'm bleeding blue. Just pure blue. Like, pretty much, if we're, like, down in production, all I'll do is, like, bleed myself a little bit. We'll cook that. It's just as good. So, when the Wendigo comes round and senses I'm a diabolical person, which I am, not just because I do drugs, but because I'm also diabolical, because I... <laughs> Two things don't, don't go hand in hand, so it's important. To... The two things don't go hand in hand, I'd like to say that. But in this case, I am both. So I don't tip my waiter. I don't bring back my library books. I ride your tail in traffic. I'm just the worst of the worst. I hide the remote. Terrible. So the Wendigo is attracted to me. But the thing is, when it tries to infect me, I got too much gunk in my body already. So there's no room for the Wendigo to come in. The inn is full, my dude. And so... <laughs> Those roots shall not find purchase. It shall not. So I end up, you know, I may be, you know, making meth, but I'm also a man of common sense. So when the Wendigo comes at me, I go into my bag of drug-making materials and I pull out my Tums. I pop that thing open. The Wendigo opens its mouth. I'm shucking a bunch of those, just like throwing it, throwing so many, all of them into the Wendigo's mouth. That goes down into its stomach. It eats raw meat. It's not going to know what the heck Tums is. Its, <laughs> its body is just going to be absolutely destroyed. And then I'm just going to take out, you know, my little pocket knife. I'm just going to cut a little bit. And then I'm going to go ahead and, and let the air take care of the heart of the Wendigo. So, boom. By being a terrible person, as well as making <laughs> drugs, I saved myself and the town. So in the end, was I really that bad? <laughs> Feeding the dark. Sometimes the, the savior that humanity needs is the one who feeds the darkest part of himself. That's right. You got to feed the beast. Mm. Got to unleash the beast. Engage the cage. Adam, I'm going to kick it over to you, my friend. Final boy status, final girl status, and what's the plan to get out? What do you think? 
Well, I think I'm going to make final boy status for sure. I don't think I'm going to make final girl status, but I'm going to mm. try. And the mm. way I'm going to try, well, the the way I am as a predisposition uh, in this town, uh, I come to this town because I'm running away from another supernatural creature. Um, I want to, to get some mileage behind me. I need some time to think. And also, I'm a sex addict. Um, so I have sex with every single person in this town, um, which buys me some time from from the creature that's been following me, if you know what I'm saying. And sure. a Wendigo shows up. It follows you and, and And it follows me to Oregon, eventually. Anyway, this Wendigo shows up. And this is not my first, you know, experience with a supernatural creature. Um, I'm familiar with, with their MO and with, with, you know, how things usually go with them. Um, so the Wendigo shows up, he infects me and I have two hungers within myself. I have a hunger for meat of a person and I have a hunger for, uh, enormous amounts of coitus. The flesh. Yes. Lust like, of the flesh in two senses, as you will. Yes, both. Yeah. And so I'm getting sicker because I am eating people, but I'm also <laughs> having sex. <laughs> in more than one way. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of compounding on itself. People are dying from the It Follows creature. People are getting infected by the Wendigo. And this town gets torn apart. By both creatures, I am the final Wendigo uh, that that is sickened. I have nothing left to have sex with. I'm sitting in this, you know, desolate uh, Oregon town. I sit down. I see a creepy naked dude walking towards me, and I just give in to my fate and get killed by by the It Follows ghost. And that's how I uh, I, I don't survive, but. I take the creature down with me. Also, you preface this with this is your best attempt to survive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the plan involves actively giving up at the very end. Yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, what what's a guy gonna do? Yeah. You know, there's no you one no left. One there's no one left. Yeah. yeah. You, to know you gotta <laughs> You gotta leave while you're still on top, you know? Yep. Well, let me tell you what, boys. I will give myself final boy status and a little thing called final girl status. Mm. I'm coming for all the crayons. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a big day for me in Oregon. Get the wheat so, thins ready. Oh, I'm I'm eating them all, baby. Pop a box of wheat thins open. Pop, snap it open. Snap it. I want to hear that the crunch of that box open. Uh, <laughs> here's where I'm at, gentlemen. The way I see it, I know at the end of the day, the Wendigo's biggest weakness. And that is why, upon arriving in a small town in Oregon, and I catch a wind of there being a Wendigo in town from the ex-sheriff, I think to myself, there's only one thing to be done. Uh, I put a casting call up on the internet for anybody within driving distance of this Oregon town, promising obscene amounts of money. And this casting call is specifically asking for a Carrie Russell type. Because we all know the Wendigo is powerless against a Carrie Russell type. You're right. 
I go ahead and I, I take them to sort of a makeshift boot camp of sorts. It is, in fact, run by me and uh, the other experts in killing Wendigos, Sam and Dean Winchester. <laughs> we get these Carrie Russell types trained up. We get them real good at slicing the cavity open so that the air can reach the heart. Meanwhile, back in town, fucking everybody's a Wendigo at this point. We're like... We're so far removed from what's happening there. Presumably everyone's infected. We're not super worried about it, if we're being honest. We send in our army of Carrie Russells, and they know exactly what to do. They're slicing open the chest, let the air hit that heart. And if somebody walks away infected, we know that there is a point of no return. We put them on a nice diet, no sushi. We have learned no sushi. And just make sure they have a steady supply of, like, I don't know, M&Ms or something. Uh, so it's like that classic, you know, have water when you're around alcohol type thing. Uh, and then we kind of just uh, wait and see. Classic John Carpenter's The Thing style. I, of course, walk away completely uninfected. Because if I do get infected, I have also volunteered at a nearby medical school for an experimental open heart procedure. <laughs> Well, they just go ahead and cut my cav cut that cavity open, have a look around and be like, yep, this is what it looks like when the dude's alive. Sew me back up. And uh, no tongues. I was very firm on that. There will be no tongues. Uh, and at the end of the day, I win a great malpractice suit, too, because the teacher fully leaves his watch inside me. So uh, <laughs> not only do I survive, I'm easily ten to $50,000 richer. Oh yeah, at least. <laughs> and like these dollars you know, to fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, sure. somewhere in that span of money. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. Ten dollars no. to fifty thousand dollars, <throat> somewhere in that span, is the amount of money I make. And you know what? The Carrie Russells. Here's the thing: they'll be mad at first because there was, in fact, not an acting gig. But eventually, they'll understand what they can do for humanity. And I send them home. Like I said, they're all in driving distance to this town. They're from various parts of the country, dude. They're going to go around the world, and every time they meet a Carrie Russell type, they'll sh they'll spread the gospel, man. Before you know it, Wendigos don't stand a chance. There's an army of Carrie Russells that are going to fight them and take them down. So even if I do get infected, at the end of the day, I know the world is safe. Amen. I've done it again, boys, and the wheat thins are mine. I like to imagine from your story, like a, a B minus medical student opening up this random person's heart and then they see the heart and they're like, that's cool. And then the heart just melts <laughs> in on itself and they're like, hmm, is that supposed to happen? <laughs> in this mythology, when they open my chest, there's my regular heart and then there's like a ball of sticks outside of my heart the ball of sticks immediately evaporates and just a regular human heart is left <laughs> they're like jerry i thought you said we hadn't cut this guy open before <laughs> well the abscess is gone so i guess i'm a doctor now <laughs> yes i'm a hero I'm good at what i do what can i say cancer runs away from me <laughs> That guy gets, like, Stephen Strange levels of overconfident. Like, <laughs> disease literally runs from me. Anyway. Well, we've done it. We've broken down the movie. We've made our plans to survive. Some of us don't make it all the way through. But you know what? We go out having had a lot of sex. So at the end of the day, that's kind of a win. 
Yes. Oh, it, oh, it is for me. Yeah, I I don't need wheat thins. <laughs> I my my ending was was satisfying enough. Yeah. yeah, you may have died, but you have dozens of picture on your phone of you just. <laughs> <laughs> that is my best angle. So you yeah. know, every man's best angle. It is. Yeah. <laughs> but at any rate. Uh, so I'll just say quickly for me, if you want to know what I'm up to, follow me on Twitter. I'll always talk about what I'm up to there. It's at Luke Howiter, L-U-K-E-H-A-U-E-T-E-R. I do live streams. I make videos. I do lots of very silly things. So you can follow me there to stay up to date. That's also just my at on every social media platform, Instagram, uh, TikTok. So follow me wherever you would be interested in following me. Uh, what plugs do we have? From uh, Mr. Lanton Lappin, that's the question. And then we'll kick it right over to Adam Bowen, see what he has to say. As always, my plug, unashamed of this, but it is this podcast, Final Boy Status. It's a lot of fun to make. Um, hopefully you guys are enjoying it. I would assume so if you've listened all the way up to this point in the episode. <laughs> so, yeah, go ahead. Um, find us wherever you find your podcast, Final Boy Status. We appreciate the support. And yeah, uh, my plug, I, um, I am currently not doing a whole lot, but I have a good a bunch of ideas like any person does. We'll see if they come into fruition and which ideas stick. But either way, I'm I don't tweet, so I'm not on Twitter, but I do have a Twitch. It's Indie Adam Bones. Find me there. See if anything's going on. If not, none of my dreams came true. Uh, so <laughs> harsh. <laughs> I, I'm, uh, I'm my worst critic. <laughs> Adam, there is something important I want to bring up, which is the next movie we will be discussing is an Adam pick. And I want to know, what are we watching next? You know, uh, I have two movies I've kind of been bouncing between. But because I'm put on the spot, this will help me just choose one of them. Uh, this is a movie I have seen before, and I had very weird feelings about it and would love to hear your guys' thoughts and also, the, you know, breaking down the survivability would be really fun. Uh, the movie is called The Empty Man. And, uh, oh, I just that? watched this a couple weeks ago. No way. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a wild movie. I, again, very weird feelings about it, but I think it'd be really fun for this podcast. So that's going to be the next movie. Yeah, that was on my list of movies that I was going to uh, potentially pick. So rad. Not even on my list. It just came to my mind. So I'm going rogue here, guys. He took from my list. What's oh, happening? No. He can stealing. read your mind. Well, uh, so for those of you who like to follow along week by week, next week is The Empty Man. You can check it out. I think it's streaming on uh, HBO Max. That's where I watched it. Cool. Uh, so, yeah, if you're following along, you can check it out there. Any last thoughts from you gentlemen before we bid them adios? No. I don't want to talk to them anymore. All right. So I will say to the audience, uh, quoting directly from the movie Ant Antlers, I will say, adios, bitch. Thank <laughs> you.